All right, beautiful people. Hello, hello. I hope you are doing wonderful on this evening today. So, um, welcome everyone to season two, episode one of Ignoramus. Um, so sorry. So, welcome to season two, episode one of Ignoramus. And today's wonderful, actually, before I even get into that, before I even get into that, I just want to say it has been a wonderful time creating content for this podcast. Um, It has just really opened me up in so many beautiful and extraordinary ways that I have just been able to explore and express myself in the most... I don't even know what to call it, uh, in the most uplifting and transformative way um, possible. And I really appreciated all the work that I've been able to do. Hi, Poon. I've been blessed to do this work um, on myself and have it be able to be transferred to the outside world and for people to feel hi Charlene um so glad you made it um yeah so I'm just really happy and thank you to all of you who have been just coming in supporting me and um doing what it is that you do best which is giving me feedback and listening and just being open so I really appreciate you and I thank you so much for being here please know that anyone in the comments or who can write and can message me about whatever it is that we are talking about hey girl um and so you're welcome to say if you connected with something say if you need clarification on something say if you don't get something all of it welcome in welcome in i'm currently streaming on two apps right now i am on yes i am on tammy doing a live video stream and i am on green room doing a live podcast recording so I will be going back and forth between answering questions here and there. If anyone does have any questions, hi Tatiana, hi, she's talking crazy. So please just bear with me as I try to go back and forth. But yes, anywho. So today's topic is after being led in by the beautiful and wonderful Diana Ross with I'm Coming Out, we're going to talk about today breakups, brains, and beauty. So the phenomenon of what happens to your brain when you go through a breakup or you are processing heartache. Um, I've been, like I said, I've researched pretty much a large chunk of my day, mostly in the last two hours, um, because I fell asleep. (laughs) Um, So I don't have the exact titles of each of these articles. However, I do have the links and I am happy to give you any links or information that you need. If you want more information about anything that I shared today, so please know that there are facts that I am sharing today, as well as my own anecdotes and personal um, testimonies. I just wanted to make sure you um, know that. So, as you all know, I've recently come out of a three-year-long relationship. I was very much invested, heavily um, rooted 
within my relationship. I put a lot of my time, effort, and energy into becoming and being a person who is worthy of and can maintain a relationship, something I never experienced before as far as romantic goes, something um, I was not very sure what I was capable of. However, I just knew I longed to have a relationship or honestly the majority of my life between tv and movies and you know seeing my parents and just growing up feeling like everybody had a boyfriend or a girlfriend I genuinely just wanted to find a space where I could belong and exist and I wouldn't necessarily have to apologize for being in that space and hoping that when in that space I would be met with the same kind of desires and love that I had. Um, and when I went through my breakup, even though it was initiated by me, it was very much disheartening and off-putting to deal with detaching myself from this person. I could not match up why I had such a great longing for this person. And in the same breath, such a anger and confusion from this person. I felt like my spirit and my mind were going back and forth in many ways. Hi Angie, welcome in. And it was very difficult for me to focus and to detach myself fully because I just felt like I have to be this person. This person is the one, blah, 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 blah. And I just couldn't see anything else. And it's been eight months since we've been broken up. However, it hasn't been until this week that I really felt encouraged, powerful, confident, and validated in my experience of this breakup. For a long time, I thought I was insane. I genuinely thought I was crazy. Even within my relationship, I thought I was bugging. I thought, oh my God, like I keep going back and forth. Oh my God, like I'm happy one minute and I'm sad the next. Oh my God, why do I keep longing for her even though she's made it very clear she doesn't want me or that she'd rather sleep than be with someone else at the moment. It was very confusing to me how I could have such a strong attachment and desire for this person and like I said, in the same breath, that not be reciprocated even after three years of what I would, I don't know if I need to label it as a loving relationship. It was not without love. However, it was a very complex um, expression of love, I will say. So hello to those coming in on Tammy. I am streaming right now on both Tammy's and Green Room. So I am recording right now so I'm just letting you all know um welcome in other friends hi love seeing you here so because I thought I was crazy it took me a long time I had to go through my depression I had to go through my sadness I had to go through my confusion my anger all that good stuff um because it's very difficult whenever you're experiencing any heightened state of emotion to be productive um, whether that's anger, happiness, sadness, it's very difficult because your body and your brain is actually hyper-focused on whatever it is that you're feeling in that moment. So from psychology today, um, I wanted to first go through the stages of denial because I think these are actually very relevant. And I wrote a little bit of anecdote on the side just to kind of help me keep moving along and not stay too stuck in one place. So 
the first thing is denial. We all know, you know, like, oh, no, it can't be that, blah, blah, blah. So it says, even though we know the relationship is over, we really don't believe it. Genuinely. I think every time we've broken up or went on a break, it was always with the idea that, yeah, we're on a break or, yeah, we're broken up, but, like, we'll be back together in two months. Like, even my friends and people who knew of us would be like, okay, we'll see you guys in, like, a week. Or, like, oh, yeah, we'll see you in a month. Like, everyone, including myself, genuinely just was like, I'm so done. I'm over it. Yes, I'm angry. Like, I want things to change. And I just figured it'll change. Like, we'll just get back together at some point. Like, nothing's going to happen in between as far as, like, us breaking further apart, whatever, whatever. Um, so the second part of that is we see hidden glimmers of hope buried in clear indications that it's over. Unsurprisingly, this is the phase where we are most susceptible to late night texting. Very much true. When I first started reaching back out to my ex, it was usually during the nighttime, usually after my whole day has gone because also we're busy people. We have to work for a living, yada, yada, yada. So it was very easy for me to find hope in anything oh my god she's texting me back we could get back together oh my god she sent me that emoji she used to send me when we were together we could get back together oh my god she accidentally called me babe we could get back together like it was all these small things that I was just like <gasps> like that has to be a sign that has to be a sign um and I stuck to it as long as I could as hard as I could because in my head my heart my mind, I needed that. I needed to be able to hold on to this idea that my worth was tied up in, which was my relationship with this young lady. Second stage, anger. Also, before I go into anger, I just want to make it very clear, which was also made clear to me, that a lot of the times we think that the stages of grief, grief, excuse me, are linear and they are not. You can be in denial one day and then jump to bargaining. You can jump from bargaining back into denial or into depression or back into anger. So healing and um, the stages of grief are not linear in any way, shape, or form. They are very much bounce off the wall to the window to the wall type situation. It's not going to be just like, okay, boom, 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 boom. No matter the most quote unquote, introverted person no matter the most extroverted person no matter the most mature immature person for everyone and anyone it is not going to be a straight shot when you are healing or dealing with your stages of grief so please understand that please be patient with yourself and let it be what it is so anger can manifest in many ways. Anger at your ex, how could she do this to me? Why can't she stop being selfish? Anger at God or the universe, why can't anything ever work out for me? Am I cursed? Anger at people or situations associated with the breakup. Anger at the other woman. Anger that your partner lost their job because that's when she changed. Anger at other people who don't agree or stand with your anger. Oh, can you believe George and Jane still want to be friends with him after he did that to me? Blah, blah, blah. Um... So that's a couple examples from the article, and I actually wrote that these were literally my thoughts down to a T, because I was often confused as to what and why her friends would stick beside her actions, even after everything. However, I also reminded myself, with every action, there's a reaction. So with everything that people do, there's something that's going to happen afterwards. And sometimes that doesn't look like the thing that you think should happen, especially if the means of your relationship 
were not conjoined through you initially. And what I mean by that is all the people that I was angry with were her friends first. All the people that I was frustrated with, these were all people who had established relationships with her. They've already established loyalty. They've already established understanding. They've already established that, you know, this is a friend who has X, Y, and Z going on. So we're going to stick beside them. And for me, as much as I also carry and live in my own code of loyalty, I also take the time to be contextual. I also take the time to give everybody room for a new understanding because I can have a best friend. However, if she's wrong in a situation, I am not going to encourage her behavior in that situation. I am very much going to be like, oh, and I may not necessarily not be friends with her, or stop being friends with her or him or whomever. However, I definitely will make it clear that what you're doing is not okay. What you're doing, it has, and I would also make sure if I'm in relationship with the other person to whom this, my friend is doing these things to, to reach out as well. Um, and obviously this is hypothetical. So in the actual position, who knows if I would still keep true However, I would like to believe that I would. I would like to believe that I'm a conscious enough being and I care enough about people and their emotions that I would think I love these two people and I don't appreciate what one person is doing to the other. Therefore, I have to figure out what I can do to not disrespect the means of their relationship and how somebody wants to handle their um, dealings. However, to also respect my relationship with both parties and how I like to deal with things. So there's that. Um, and I also just said that even broken people need support. We're all broken in different ways. It all manifests in different ways. So who am I to tell anyone that they should not be friends with someone because I don't agree with the way they treated me or another person? I mean, I'm at will to ask or state my opinion because you can do whatever you want. Um, but for them to listen to me, I should not expect that because or I don't have the right to force that expectation to come to fruition simply because I live by the code that I live by. I would hope that I am able to make a tough or just decision within myself and move on from those people if they do not line up with what it is that I need um, in relation to the, that those kinds of relationships. So third, bargaining looking for any possible way to make a relationship work through negotiation, threats, and or magic. <laughs> for example, telling your ex that you'll change, move, go to therapy, tell them that they're hurting the children if this applies to you, his family, your family, and the dog by leaving, <laughs> which is hilarious because I'm sure there are people that would be like, the kids, the cats, they miss you. Like, how could you do this? And like, just be like, yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I did that a lot. I was a big bargainer, big bargainer. I, every time I would realize something about myself or every time that I would, uh, just like remember something from us in the past or whatever, I'd be like, oh, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you know, this is like, what about us long term? Or like, oh, look, I learned this about myself. So I'm so sorry that like, I did this, this and this like bargaining, essentially my growth, oh, which is so sad. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let me dial back because that's actually a big part. And I, I love that I just am able now to have the word to connect it. I would bargain my growth. Let's say that again. 
They can really digest that. I would bargain my growth so that the other person would come back to me. So let me explain that. So I would say, hey, I learned that when we were together, I treated you this way in this situation. Or I expected too much of you out of this way in this situation. And I would say, you see, you see, I'm I'm learning about myself. I'm learning that I did this. I'm learning that I said X, Y, and Z. So why wouldn't you want me? Why wouldn't you want to talk about this? Why wouldn't you want to connect? Blah, blah, blah. And I would still get, okay, yeah, I get it. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. But that's about it. It wouldn't be any more than that. Why? Because she herself did not understand it. She herself was not doing that work. She herself could not think or put together that this needed means of delving internally was relevant or super important to us in our relationship. Um, And maybe even less about, actually, let me take the judgment off of it. Not even that she didn't think it was important. She, She couldn't find enough comfort in the discomfort in order to look deeper. And I'm constantly uncomfortable. And maybe that's why I do it to myself. Maybe I like misery. Maybe I'm just so used to self-sabotage that pain for me is something that I don't necessarily long-term escape. I don't know. Um, But I think more than anything, I think more than anything, I have always been searching for a way to eradicate my pain. Whether that be through other people, whether that be through drugs, whether that be through drinking, hi Jonah, hi Max, whether that be through um, sex, um, being fake funny, vulgar, whatever. I've always been looking for a way to eradicate my pain. Why? Because who the hell wants to feel pain? Who wants to be in pain all the time? It sucks. It's unnecessary. Okay? So when I am going to all of these avenues, I am looking for somewhere to ground myself and just release. That is not how it works. You cannot just pick the next thing or next person and say, okay, it's done. Because it'll never be done that way. And in a way, that was probably avoiding my pain in a way that was probably not giving myself the much needed time and energy to actually sit and be like, okay, this actually really fucking sucks. And like, huh, I just need to feel it. Because one of the articles which we will get to talks about the use of drugs and how it just creates a temporary state of happiness and if you think about how many times you need to be in that state in order to be happy it's crazy but I also think about when I was using when I was smoking a lot of weed um and I still smoke a lot of weed so let's not even (laughs) but before I used to smoke a lot of weed 
um, because I didn't want to feel how anxious I was. I had a job I really hated. I had issues with my girlfriend. I was living in a place that I really didn't like. And so whenever I got the chance, like immediately when I locked up the store, I would smoke. And when I walked to the bus stop, I would smoke. When I woke up, I would smoke. I did not ever want to be in a state where I had to acknowledge or deal with my emotions. I did not want to feel my pain. So in a contradictory kind of way, because I know how I started off, I genuinely now see that even I, or in my own way, was avoiding my pain. Um, But again, it was never for too long, because I also always knew and held with me that I can only do this for but so long. I can only avoid myself for but so long. So going into depression, um, they say hopelessness is the most pervasive and debilitating, excuse me, is the most pervasive and debilitating. It is the thing that leads us to believe that nothing will ever be or feel different than it is right now. Hopelessness makes it feel like you will never move on and that nothing will ever work out for you in the future. That is probably where I stayed semi the longest in my depressive. I went, we broke up in May, I believe May 5th. We, I officially blocked her a few days ago. This is the first time that I have not felt any qualms or necessity to go backwards. Um, and none of the lie, I have her on TikTok. It's random. She, I don't even know. That's like hella, hella random. But I have her on TikTok. Um, but she's not a social media person. She's not a, a, a fight for you or excuse me. She's not a public fighter kind of person. So I know for a fact she won't contact me. And if she does, I won't know because I won't see it. (laughs) Um, However, this is the first time, like I said, that when I blocked her, I just really felt a sense of like, to myself, like, okay. And really, that's it. Like, it was just like, okay. Because I had did this song and dance with myself back and forth, like, again, weighing my worth against my relationship to her and my my ideas of myself in relation to her. And it was just like, what the fuck? Like, you can't hate yourself that much. Like, you can't think that this is the only option that much. Like, it didn't matter who told me what, because at the end of the day, you have to make up your own mind. Anybody can tell you whatever they want to tell you. But if you don't believe it, if you don't think it's true, if you don't say, yeah, that's what's up, it's going to keep feeling that way. And it took me just so, it took the constant just seeing it over, just playing over and over in my head. Like, even when I had moments where I was telling myself, like, she doesn't want you, she doesn't want you, she doesn't want you, which again was another bargaining chip for me because at one point I was talking to her and I was like, yeah, I would tell myself, you know, she doesn't want you, she doesn't want you. And of course, that's me trying to bargain and manipulate and be like, hey, tell me that you do want me. Of course, she didn't say that because. <laughs> she did not so um anyway (laughs) yeah I sat in my depression doing honestly small things that had big impacts to push myself into this continuous feeling that I was unworthy and that I deserved to be in this spot that I deserved 
to feel this way. And I don't even necessarily feel like I preached to myself that I deserved it. It was more of like, I just deserve the pain, not necessarily the action, not necessarily how this scenario turned out. However, just like the pain, because I genuinely felt like I was just built to be in pain all the time because I've experienced so much pain so often. And this, this past year, so back to back that I just was like, I must be a magnet. Like I must be this way. Oh, I have a comment. Um, I love the way your mind works, Joy. The way you explain this shit is mad wild. Uh -huh. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate you. Um, it takes a lot of talking to myself and trial and error to get to this place. So um, I appreciate your words of encouragement. Um, so yeah, I felt like I was just built for pain. And I didn't share this with a lot of people. Because sometimes you just need your own little world where no one else can touch it. Um, I think I shared this with my sister and my mom. However, I had a I had a Tumblr for a while, and I still have it. Um, but I had a Tumblr where I basically expressed a lot of my suicidal thoughts, a lot of my depressive things. Thank you. A lot of my anger. Um, with my relationship, with my ex, with myself, um, just really being like, I wish I could just die because this, at this point, doesn't make any sense. I mean, again, like I said, this whole time I felt crazy because it's easy to hear somebody say they wish they would die, they wish they could kill themselves, whatever, whatever, and if you're not in that state of mind, it's easy to be like, no, don't say that, oh, don't feel that way, oh, it's so easy, and of course, it's fucking annoying because you look at this person like, even if they love you, you're low-key like, please shut the fuck up, like, because you're not understanding that, like, no, like, my chest is on fire, my brain feels like somebody's sawing it in half, my back hurts, I still have to go to work, I still have to find a way to eat, I'm pretty sure for at least the first month after my breakup, I barely ate, um, if I ate, it was probably when I was at work and I had a moment, but for the most part, like, when I would get home, I'd just go straight to bed, I'd watch the same shows over and over, I wouldn't listen to music, um, you know, I just couldn't bring myself to do any extra, I was like, hell fucking no, um, and so back to my Tumblr, it was a means of escape for me, because it was like, I could say these horrible, harsh things out loud, and kind of like, forget about it, because I don't have my notifications on for Tumblr, I don't really have anybody as a friend on Tumblr, um, I don't, I don't have to deal with any of the repercussions of my thoughts at this moment. Um, and big picture, not necessarily the greatest or healthiest thing because you don't know who's reading your stuff. Um, and not that it can't be therapeutic for someone and I'm not going to necessarily demonize suicide because I have my own thoughts about suicide. However, suicide is a fragile and very, um, sensitive thing. And so you should handle it with care. Um, and so if you do need a space or a means to vent, I definitely think that, you know, maybe putting your profile on private, at least, because I don't think my profile's on private, um, at least having your profile on private would be helpful if you really do want to share those thoughts and you don't necessarily want to leak your, um, what, what would I call it, your spiritual or 
sensitive essence in that nature out into the world you know you don't want to bleed into other people's lives I I'd rather say it that way um hello Charles hello Ari welcome in welcome in so I also in that same breath created a TikTok a secret TikTok um with the same name um and I had posted about just feeling really sad and depressed originally I was going to post my poems on there or my little anecdotes um, with music and like, you know, be all in my sad girl phase, my sad girl moment. Hi, Luchi. Um, and I remember maybe about a month ago coming home. I don't know what had happened, but I just had this day where I was like, what the hell? Like, why can't I shake this? Why am I so sad? Like, I'm really just worthless. Like, I'm really just meant to be crap. I'm always going to be crap. So let me talk about how much crap I am. <laughs> and I sat on the floor, got my little microphone, and I had just said, I never thought I would be anything. I never thought that I would have to deal with this. I basically just said that it's not even anymore that I, the last thing I said was it's not even anymore that I think I will or won't have love or be loved. It just simply doesn't exist. And after I had said my whole like 20 minutes or whatever, however long it was worth of stuff, I put it together, put the pictures together, the videos, the music, and I played it for myself a couple times, and I had just thought, how sad you are, and not in a demeaning or mean way, in a way to really look at myself and say how sad you are, and I am so sorry, and I don't exactly know what to do for you to make it go away but I do know that this is not fair to you I do know that you don't deserve to feel that way because you're not crap you're not unlovable you know and one way that I actually remind myself of this is through my smile you know, y'all can see on here, some of y'all, this big-ass picture of my big old head um, and my big-ass smile. I have always, besides my calves, which I love, have always admired how wide my smile is. I always look at myself and I'm like, wow, like, you literally, like, smile from ear to ear. And when I look at your face, I just feel so good. Like, I feel like your smile is genuine. Like, whatever's behind that smile is so real that I can feel it. And so for me, when I hear myself in my sadness, and it's valid because I'm a human, I honor her by saying, your sadness is real. And I'm so sorry that you have to carry that. And let me know when you're ready to welcome in joy. Because that is what is constantly written on your face. And that is something that helped me lead to this place of, which is our final stage of grief, acceptance. Acceptance, again, was really freaking hard. 
um because I had to go back and forth between depression and bargaining and anger and yada 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 several 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 times however that last voice note that I made to myself solidified my need to accept myself first is what I would say I needed the ability to make peace that I was not okay. I needed the ability to make peace with that I was in so much pain that my brain literally could not process it. That no matter how many times I tried to pray it out, spiritualize it out, fuck it out, smoke it out, eat it out, whatever, that no bitch, this is really happening. And I know you never thought it would happen to you. And I know you couldn't even imagined it, but it happened. It's happening. And I'm going to need you to accept that. And so I did. I had, and I had to cry about it. I had to cry and cry and say, oh my God, the girl who I thought was the love of my life really did what she did really sat there and told me what she told me really sat there looked me in my eye and played me like I was a stranger I really had to I had to accept that someone who I thought I knew was not the person to be because I romanticized everything everything Shit, I even romanticize how good food is sometimes. Sometimes shit be nasty, but you know. But <laughs> I had to tell my accept. I had to accept all those parts of me. I had to accept that I romanticize things. I had to accept that I lied to myself. I had to accept that I wasn't always consistent about things. I had to accept that at times things were good, at the end at the same time that they were bad. I had to accept each and every one of those things. I had to accept my roles in the parts of my relationship where I did not show up for her or for myself or for whomever. I had to accept that there were things that were continuously there in front of me, speaking to me, screaming in my face that I ignored because I had on my rose-colored glasses and I refused to take them off. Yes. And so... What the article says is, finally, this is the phase where we are able to make peace with the loss. It doesn't always come suddenly. It often happens gradually, bit by bit, little by little, interspeed with some of the other phases. Acceptance doesn't always involve harmony and flowers. There is almost certain to be lingering sadness. Acceptance entails making peace with the loss, letting go of the relationship, and slowly moving forward with your life. Sometimes it feels like this phase will never come, which usually means you're still struggling in an earlier phase. And then the best thing that they said at the end was, like everything else, this will eventually pass. The lingering sadness is also something that I had to accept for myself. Because there would be days where I would just sit here and say like, okay, I just want to act like she never existed. Like, let me really try to like delete her out of my brain. And honestly, I'm not going to lie. It is something that I can do. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure eventually that she's literally going to be like, not even a thought to me. Um, and I get there honestly, closer and closer every day. Like the more I really get back into my, like, (laughs) you know, I'm from the Bronx get back into my high, get back into my Bronx, New York mentality. Honestly, the more and more I get there, I'm just like, girl, bye. Like, I don't even, what? Use who? You do? Okay. 
and you know um and some days it's different um because at the end of the day like I genuinely did love this person and I know that that would hurt her and I would never want to do that um especially not intentionally and it's not intentionally um like I said like I do love her but the way I feel it now is very different than the way I used to feel it and I'm very grateful for that because I don't have the energy so like I said, obviously, I'll never, for, I'll never truly forget her, but I am definitely welcoming and um, open to getting to a place where when her name comes up, or if she comes up, it's more of a, oh, okay, or whatever, and it's not a big, <laughs> you know, so, excuse me, excuse me, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, thank you. Um, so yes, yeah, so now let's get to the big old neurological happenings. Oh, don't shed a tear. Hello, Jay. Nice to see you. So let's get into the neurological happenings. <clears throat> so according to cbc.ca, um, article titled Broken Heart, Broken Brain, the Neurology of Breaking Up and How to Get Over It. So Again, this goes back to thinking I was crazy. A lot of people think they're crazy, let's be very real, or do quote unquote to the outside world what looks like crazy things when they're going through a breakup. So like slashing someone's tires, fighting someone's new girlfriend, um, low-key poisoning their ex, um, you know, things like that, setting people's shit on fire, calling them and um, incessantly and leaving voicemails, calling their parents and saying like, look what your son or your daughter did. Uh, 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 uh. These are all, as much as we like to say, oh my God, she's crazy. Oh my God, she does too much. Oh my God, that's so, ugh. as much as we love to do that because we think we're so freaking perfect and that we would never do anything like that. Please understand, you're not. As much as you would like to think life can't play out like a, a TV show, it surely can. You can go from being the most quote-unquote sane person to the most insane person in the blink of an eye simply because something happened to you that you cannot make sense of and something that happened to you that your brain is currently trying to process. So the way this article says is neurolo neurochemical, excuse me, it's like neurochemical sloshings inside your skull. Relationships boost our levels of oxytocin, also known as the love hormone, which helps us bond with others. The other two chemicals that, he is, that are associated with relationships are dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter associated with pleasure and reward, and serotonin. This helps regulate our mood and is associated with happiness. So love, oxytocin, pleasure, dopamine, Happiness, serotonin, equals a heady neurological cocktail. So think about it. You're so used, welcoming Brianna, welcoming John. You're so used to feeling like, oh my God, I love this person. Oh my God, we're so happy. Oh my God, the sex is great. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. All the time. Think about it, all the time. And some of us process and create certain hormones more than others in different amounts than others. So just say you're a person who really produces this, the, these chemicals inside of you super hard, super strong, because I am that person. And it also has to be, it's because it's also tied to my desire to feel these things from another person. So like it says, um, dopamine is associated with pleasure. 
and with pleasure, you also associate that with being rewarded. So if you get a kiss from someone and you feel like, oh my God, you just feel like you've been rewarded. You have been rewarded. So for someone who's a people pleaser, for someone who constantly needs to feel validated by other people, when you are continuously rewarded in a relationship simply for just being in the relationship and you are now no longer in the relationship, you are going to feel like a complete piece of shit. You're going to feel like a piece of crap because no one's rewarding you. You're not getting those dopamine hits. You're not getting those oxytone, those oxytocin hits. You're not getting that serotonin hit. You're literally sitting in the middle of the floor losing three major chemicals in your brain going, what the fuck? Like, why am I not happy? Why why is this smile not coming across my face? Why am I crying in, in the club? Like, why is Drake playing on for the third time in a row today? Like, you are very confused. Hi, Lizzie. So... Again, when I was first off my relationship in my, oh, yeah, we going to get back together, I didn't have this issue, really. I was sad, of course. I was upset, frustrated, but I didn't feel like I was drained out of my life source because I, I thought, like, okay, let we just need some time. And, of course, I did the whole thing where we were broken up for a week, and I said, okay, I'm ready to hang out again. And then I'm like, oh, my God, my body went into panic mode because my brain was like, um, bitch, no, we can't because that bitch is still not doing what she said she was going to do, and you still don't feel comfortable, so we can't do it. So I go back and forth. Okay, never mind. Okay, wait, come back. Okay, never mind. Why? Because also my brain and body was craving my dopamine, my serotonin, my oxy um oxytocin sorry and if you think about it so she is my catalyst for all of these things which means i'm not producing those things on my own thank you so i'm not producing those things on my own so what does that tell me at the time it didn't tell me shit at the time i was like fuck it that's my bitch i'm gonna get my bitch but now it tells me Oh, but you was on crack cocaine. So I see what's happening here. So they say the deficit in these chemicals can make us feel anxious, depressed, and isolated. I definitely felt isolated. I live alone. I'm not in a city with family. I felt very much isolated. And my friends live all over, so sometimes it's hard to connect. It was hard. So they say dollop of dopamine comes from abusing substances and random sex but can also be unhelpful long term so again i had sex with two people after we broke up um both women both terrible um as far as pleasing me um yeah wasn't for me um and it didn't honestly do anything for me. Like, I totally could have bust that nut by myself. Didn't need the help of anybody else at all. Like, get you the little rose, call it a day. It was a complete waste of my time. Um, and as far as drugs go, I will definitely say I did try cocaine. I smoked a lot more. Um, I tried ecstasy um, a few times. I was on shrooms sometimes. Um I think that's about the extent of the drugs that I tried. Um, but I would, you know, go out all late types of night and just be like, whatever. I would, like I said, I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't really eating. I would just be like, it's whatever. I ended up getting two cats like a couple months back. Um, but that was like when I was in a semi better stages of my life. But like I said, in the beginning, I just didn't give a fuck. I was like, fuck it, let a car hit me. Fuck it, like, let me 
just go out and like do whatever like maybe and, and it was fun like to be like okay you know we we all need momentary moments like the he actually does encourage for you to go out um and to you know talk to people or whatever the case may be but he does not the doctor in this article does not encourage you to use drugs and all those things because at the end of the day long term it's not going to do anything it's not going to change the fact that I'm still sad. It's not going to change the fact that I still have an issue with what's going on inside me. It just helps me for those 10 minutes, that hour, however long the drugs last. And then the next day I still have to wake up and remember, oh yeah, I'm alone. Oh yeah, I broke up with my girlfriend. Oh yeah, we won't be able to get back together. Oh yeah, she's doing X, Y, and Z now. So what am I going to do? Take cocaine every time that happens? And I don't know about y'all, but I like my teeth and I like my body. I can't be a crackhead. It's just not going to work out for me. And whether you think I'm cute or ugly, it's none of my business because I think I'm fire and I don't want to fuck that up. So it wasn't going to work out for me the way I thought it would. But I also never thought about taking these drugs very seriously. Um, you know, when you have friends, especially the white ones, they be having access to shit, even though this was not a white friend, but there's a reason I said it that way. Anyway, um, uh, so solutions. He says that when you are in love with someone, it's like having tunnel vision. So a healthy way to deal with this is going on apps and matching with people, swiping left, swiping right, and not necessarily talking to them. The goal is not for you to date them or to make a new connection necessarily. The object is to remind yourself that there are other people out there, that the person who you love so deeply, so dearly is not the only person that exists in the world. And I can genuinely say, even though I went on the apps the first time and it was not for me because I was definitely like, what the fuck? It's been a week. I don't know how some people do it. Like, I genuinely could not. I'm too emotional of a person to just jump in the arms of another woman. Um... But it was helpful to realize that I literally thought that my ex-girlfriend was like the bee's knees. I thought she was the most beautiful, sexy, wonderful creature in the entire universe and that no one else could match up to her. Like I thought no one else could be as cute as her. No one else could have a smile like hers. No one else could make my heart beat like she could. No one else could fuck me or make love to me the way she could because it was just such a deep connection like and I was like she's so beautiful like and even sometimes I'm pretty sure I compare myself to her just being like oh my god she looks so much better than me like and she wants to be with me like <laughs> like period like because I also thought I was fire like when I dressed up and stuff and whatever and whatnot um and so I thought like, oh, she's fire. And like, sometimes I'm fire. So like, we're two fire ass bitches. And like, I've always wanted to be a fire ass couple. So I definitely thought that she was the only cute person in the entire universe. Um, which is great if that person lasts with you for the rest of your life, because you won't be looking nowhere else. However, now that we're not together, that hasn't served me well. So we're moving on from that. Um, he says that engaging in non-romantic activities that provide pleasure, passion, and purpose, this is called replacement therapy. The idea is to find healthy ways to keep our supply of feel-good neurotransmitters. So this is something, hi Nick, hi Vea, this is something that I've been actively doing in the recent um, month. <clears throat> so I've been going to the gym. I've actually been going to the gym for months. However, I've been going more consistently as of late, but I've been going to the gym 
I have been doing my podcast um, and now with more intention, which is allowing me to have these dopamine hits um, because before I was just doing it to, you know, talk, air things out and I like doing it. Now I'm doing it with more um, activeness and I am being more attentive so that I can feel like I am actively participating in my life. Um, and I really love that for myself. So um, yes, diet, exercise, and regular sleep are good elements in, of brain health, both in and out of relationships. So again, I have changed um, how I exercise and started exercising. Regular sleep, I'm not going to hold you. We still working on that. That is where I kind of fuck up. Um, I'm never sleep at the same time. It's never really consistent. It's generally whenever I go to sleep. And because I go to the gym and usually very much at nighttime, I am exhausted um, by the time I get home. So I just knock out, um, which is great and all, but not when you have to wake up in six hours. Because um, sometimes because I'm so hopped off of my pre-workout, I won't go to sleep till like three in the morning and then I'll have three hours of sleep and be at work for eight hours and then go back to, the, so it's just, you know, we have to find a balance and I'm about to have a second job. So I got to figure my shit out before I collapse. Um, diet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can't really help you much on that one. I'm, I'm, I haven't figured it out. Um, I genuinely just think everything in moderation, but definitely dairy is something that I am going to work on cutting out. I'm not even supposed to, like, I don't even really like dairy like that, but dairy is in, like, so many things that you enjoy, like Oreos, cookies, uh, mac and cheese, obviously mac and cheese, but you know what I'm saying, like, and sometimes I have a moment where I want a nostalgic meal, and so I'll make something that is indicative of my childhood, but it'll have extreme dairy in it or fake dairy in it. Um, and totally fuck up my entire stomach. So I'm definitely working on fixing that. <clears throat> but yeah, I just say drink a lot of water, figure out what your body needs, and act accordingly. So third article that I delve into um, is five ways to deal with heartbreak. So again, Heartbreak is only enhanced by other crap things that come with it, like unexpected changes to your lifestyle, the feeling that you temporarily, don't worry, lost a piece of your identity, added stress, and feelings of rejection. Single people actually may be happier than those who are attached, which is also just a random piece of information um, that was in the article as well. And but I and I also genuinely understood it because. This past week has been the first time that I've genuinely smiled and have felt my smile in my soul. Um, it has been one of the first times that I have danced and not told myself no. It has been one of the first times that I have started allowing myself to listen to music and letting it move through me. Because when I listen to music, I feel things. And instead of suppressing my feelings, which I did for a lot of my relationship, I just let myself feel whatever. So if I hear a beat and it makes me want to roll my hips or shake my ass or jiggle a titty, I'm going to do it. Um, and again, it's not always just immediate. Sometimes I have to sit there and talk to myself and say, stop thinking about what you think other people are thinking about. Stop thinking about what you think it looks like when you dance. Stop thinking about if the dudes behind you are watching your ass because they probably are and they're fucking gross. 
or just human because I'm not gonna lie, I'd be looking at this girl's butt in the gym. But anyway, um, stop thinking about all that and just think, just let yourself feel the music. And if I have to close my eyes, I'll close my eyes because I have to shut everything out because I love music and I love the way music makes me feel. And so I'm going back to being in love with the way things make me feel and being in love with feeling. Um, so again, day by day, however, the more I listen to music, the more I get to achieve that feeling. And I'm so happy about that. <clears throat> so one of the solutions they said is feeling the pain and taking the time to reflect now can actually help you heal faster and prevent you from dwelling. Be sure to surround yourself with people or even just one person that you can talk talk to honestly and openly. Incorporating music, like I said, while you're feeling it out is also a great idea. So again, take your time. I could not listen to music, like I said, for months before, like actually, yeah, it's been eight months. So this is the first month that I've really been able to truly listen to music. And even before, I just love how in tune I am with myself. Even before my girlfriend and I were no longer together, I stopped listening to music because again, music was a catalyst for feelings for me. So avoiding music also meant avoiding my feelings. Hi, Brie, and avoiding my feelings was just easier to do than trying to address them constantly with someone who I felt like was not understanding what I needed. And I would have rather been with someone who wasn't understanding what I needed than to be alone completely. Again, not at all healthy. I'm just letting you know what my process was in the breakdown because from the outside, someone can easily, and I've done it, we've all done it. It's easy to say, oh my God, that person's not right for you. Oh my God, why are you still dealing with that crap? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. The breakdown is important. I deal with it because I don't want to be alone. No one's going to open, not everyone's going to openly admit that and not everyone openly knows that. So in order for me to get there and know that it's simply like I don't want to be alone because if I'm alone, I feel like I'm unworthy of existing, then I have to go through the steps, which is, okay, I've asked her what I needed. She's not doing it. So I guess I'm just going to let it be because like she has her own stuff and it's okay, which leads to I'm just going to stop asking now because it's never heard anyway, but I love her. Oh, this song is so good. It's talking about how this guy did this girl dirty. The beat's great. The words are are pretty harsh. Oh, it's a little too hard for me to feel that. Never mind. I don't want to think about that. Because if I think about that, then I'll think about what's happening with me. And who wants to do that? Because what does it come back to? I don't want to be alone. So, again, it was easy for me to sit there and tell other people, like, oh, girl, don't avoid X, Y, and Z. Oh, girl, who cares about X, Y, and Z? However, the whole time I'm doing the same thing. Did I know that necessarily consciously? No, I did not. But it was so easy for me, so ingrained, and it was easy to point out other factors which seem so obvious but not your own because why? You are you. You don't always know what the fuck's going on with you as much as we would like to think we do. We don't always know. But the way you come to know what's going on with you is taking the time to ask yourself the questions, taking your t- that's your time to say, I don't like that. Or I actually enjoyed that. I'm going to do that again. Or I asked for what I needed. It's not being reciprocated. I got to go. Or there needs to be an ultimatum. Or there needs to be consequences for this action because I'm not going to keep sitting here and dealing with that. Those kinds of things. 
Another solution is take a break from any booze. Like I said earlier, try to focus on your needs and regain your sense of self. Pushing your emotions down with multiple vodka sodas is only going to make them come back even stronger. Very much so because I always felt like the next day, I always just felt 10 times worse emotionally and like crap. Exercise to help clear your mind, which we also said. And they did say subscribe to this thing called Notes from the Universe, but I'm not going to tell you guys to do it because I tried opening the link and it was not opening. So I would say do yourself a favor and get yourself a journal get yourself a planner or get yourself a book that you like that is what I've been doing lately I've been getting myself books that I enjoy or books that I've been interested in all of them happen to be nonfiction at the moment um because I'm purposefully working on educating myself more about the brain black lives and our relationship to America and society Um, and those things in itself are actually very heavy topics they're very difficult so I did actually also go ahead and buy myself one non-fictional book it is a romance a rom-com but it is written by a black woman so that's one of the reasons why I'm really happy and really proud that I bought it because I usually read a lot of non-fiction from white perspectives and white women and Being that I no longer want to also live in a rose-colored glasses world, I am not super heavy on the nonfiction right now. However, I still want to be gentle and kind with myself and still allow myself to believe that there is, that I have the right to desire something that I have not yet experienced, that I get to desire a love that I have created, one that is fulfilling, one that is holistic, one that is nurturing, one that is... Um, pink ponies and rainbows sometimes um, because I deserve to have that and I deserve to manifest that so I'm gonna allow myself to not completely eradicate the idea that true love and great love exists so I got myself a little book a little book that says like okay let's have a little meet cute um yeah so now this is the article that I said goes back into the um actual um chemical um components of the brain which was very very cool for me and I talked to my therapist about it today and she 100% validated this for me so I just want to let you guys know not only did I do my research a doctor told me you is correct so period um this one is by medical daily article titled oxytocin love hormone fuels romance how your brain works when you're in love so it says romantic gestures such as cuddling hugging or kissing boost oxytocin levels which i told you earlier and helps our bonding when those receptors are blocked it can cut off the pair bonding response and lead to a disinterest in establishing bonds with other people and diminish the possibility of being intimate with someone Those who excite romantic feelings in us are more likely to cause an increase in the release of oxytocin, (laughs) excuse me, which leads to an increase in dopamine and makes them someone we want to stick with. So the reason why I thought that was really actually important because I'm trying to say this with sensitivity because I genuinely don't want anyone to attack these people as much as I do it on my own free time. Um, However, my ex-partner did start sleeping with someone who I was semi-close to 
and I always didn't, I never really understood, I mean, like, how do I say it? It was frustrating, and it was hurtful, um, and even though we were not together, we were still in communication, and I was still in communication with both of them, um, and neither one of them were very honest to me about the way their relationship was progressing, and because of that, you know, I'm over here holding on to the oxytocin that I have, the love that I have for my previous partner. And meanwhile, she is developing that bond with another person. And this is why people also need to understand that sex is one thing when you have a one night stand. It's another thing when you are consistently having sex with a specific person that you also have a emotional connection to so these two started becoming friends and also started becoming quote-unquote lovers um and I know I sound so old for saying it that way but they were becoming lovers and friends um and so reading this article really helped me put it into perspective for myself because I really genuinely was trying to put into words why is it that I feel so betrayed because it's not just betrayed on a simple sense it's not just that you know I love her it is a physical thing that I'm going through like I'm having to go through a physical shift because you have now like we're no longer together so all that love and all that all that energy that I had for this young woman was dropping so continuously so quickly and now she's creating that attachment, that bond, and that's and that's what it is. It's she's creating a bond with another person. And that is what hurt me more than anything is that my and for me it translated like my love, my bond was not enough for you. I was not enough for you. That you're now willing to like I said, um, where I'll go back to it, where it says increases in dopamine and makes them quote unquote, someone we want to stick with, which is something she told me, she was like, oh, it's easy, or not even easy, she's just saying like, I'm comfortable here, like we just vibe and like, you know, and I was like, I don't know what the sex is like, I just know the sex with her for me and her was great. So I can only imagine that the sex is great for them. Um, but ugh. That just hurts because there was such a connection that her and I had when we would have sex. There was such a connection that I would feel every time I would experience orgasm, every time that I would experience a touch from her. It just, I'm a, I've always been a sexual person. People who have known me for a long time know that I've been a very sexual person. So for someone to validate my sexual identity, for someone to uplift me, in my sexual whatever um was big for me because I've always been treated like the whore I've always been treated like oh she's gross or she's just like out there um by whether it be fake friends or family members like I've always been treated a very certain way for being a very sexual person and I'm not gonna lie she herself kind of had her reservations about me as well being a very openly sexual person however in the actual act of sex I never felt like it wasn't about me I never felt like I wasn't going to be satisfied I never felt like I didn't have a voice in my sexual activity because she was very 
she was also a people pleaser and she but she was also my girlfriend and she wanted me to be satisfied the same way I wanted her to be satisfied um so when she chose to start sleeping with someone who was close enough to me it just made me feel like oh okay like so our our connection's just like done like I think out of everything like to cry about that's the one thing that does still make me cry um here and there because again it's just like saying it out loud too just lets me know like our connection has been severed like you literally like took one of the major things that I felt connected us and probably maybe it also felt like one of the last things that connected us and you gave it to this other person and actually in the most recent times when I spoke to her she was saying like oh well you know I'm not a person who likes to like meet strangers or really like be with strangers I just usually like to stick to like what I'm at or who I know and in my head I was like dude do you know how fucked up that sounds do you know how messed up like you'd rather like okay for sexual or body preferences or whatever you want to call it like fine but you would rather have sex with the girl that was my friend than have sex with a random like person in order to feel good about what you trying to get over me you leaving me like I I don't or like what and again it's not for me to figure out so I'm not going to try to however it was just very interesting to me that like I don't know we I think we would like for sex not to be a big thing because it feels good and it's fun and whatever however with the pairing of what neurological processes you go through with detaching yourself from someone especially if they made you feel really good during sex and in sexual spaces um that one is a tough one to swallow because my sexual being is just something that like I think personally I was semi care I was careless with for a time because I just wanted someone to make me feel good and sex made sense sex was easy sex is nine times out of the ten so simple to access like everybody nine times out of ten is down to fuck and no one really gives a fuck it's COVID now so I don't know if the rules are still the same however you know so anyway um so yeah now being in this state where you know I kind of don't have a lot of options I also kind of go back to the people I know but all the people I know are dudes like and there's only one person that I actually want to and would have sex with and he doesn't even live here um so there's that where you know and I'm genuinely at this point I want to be more discretionatory about who I sleep with and who I give my body to and how I allow myself to join with people in that because I know that sex is very big and very powerful for me however in the same breath like I don't know, low-key, I'm starting to think about, like, would I ever be able to share that connection with someone again? Like, will I ever be able to have that connection that's so deep that, like, I used to cry after sex almost all the time, 
and not because it was bad or because like whatever but because I was just so grateful to have that kind of passion with someone I was so high zen I was just very grateful to experience such a love and a desire between two people so to believe or think that like that would just be gone um or that I have to refine that with another person it's it's a it's a scary thought I think the way to categorize my thoughts about love and being in love or having love ever again I think for me is more it's a scariness that I can't feel it's kind of more like it's more like I've made up my mind like I feel like I've made up my mind and I'm hoping that subconsciously that's really just me saying like I have boundaries and I know what I am and am not going to deal with and not that like I'm just like fuck it love doesn't exist and I'm not going to deal with it um because I low-key high-key feel like that I feel that way like it doesn't sit on me it's not there like a like a jacket or anything like that like I don't feel it it's kind of just like it's I know it like I know of it like I'm like yeah like I don't know so maybe also I just am like also very comfortable with just being by myself at this point like I'm getting more comfortable so we we shall see anywho um they also say that romantic relationships can lead to the addiction of a specific person which is exactly what has happened to me um, these behaviors are thought to reflect those of someone who is addicted to a drug, the same brain chemicals, large amounts of dopamine, and, oh, I cannot say this chemical, so please bear with me, norepinephrine, 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 anyway, I don't know how to pronounce it, but something with an N, um, and the same brain pathways and structures are active when in love and when being high on crack cocaine. Addictive drugs affect the brain in similar ways to love. So again, as much as people like to make jokes and say things, very much being in love is like being on a drug. But also think about it because if you're genuinely in love with someone and you're with them all the time, it's like taking that drug all the time. So you are consistently on drugs when you're in love and hey if it works for you it works for you nothing wrong with that um but just understand it so that when you if you do lose that catalyst lose that drug know that you're not crazy know that you're not just doing too much you are literally going through a withdrawal and that is fucking difficult. Um, however, there are still mysteries left behind as to what sets off feelings of love and who we fall in love with. So there isn't a lot of science about what happens with your brain while you're falling in love or what causes you to quote unquote fall in love. Um, but they do know that when you are active in love that this is how it can um, show up. So for my last article, it says MRI studies of heartbroken people have revealed emotional pain people experience was rated as equivalent to nearly unbearable physical pain. Consider, though, that while physical pain rarely remains at such intense levels for an extended duration of time, the pain of heartbreak can linger for days, weeks, and even months. This is why the suffering of a heartbreak can cause 
excuse me this is why the suffering heartbreak causes can be so extreme we would never expect an addict in the midst of withdrawal to be able to function in their job or personal life because we understand that they are in a temporary abnormal mental state we need to think of heartbreak in the same terms and modify expectations of ourselves and others accordingly so i really hi don I actually really, 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 really wanted to highlight that because there's this idea that just because we are sad and also it just shows how we don't really take mental health very seriously in our country and in a lot of countries. However, if my brain map says that I'm going through a heavy withdrawal and I'm foggy and I can't figure shit out and this, that, and the third, the same way someone coming off of 10 years of coke or whatever the case may be, is let me go home. Like, let me take a sick day. Because people love to be like, oh, well, that's not a reason to call off, or that's not a reason to have a bad day, or that's not a reason to not finish X, Y, and Z. It very much is so. It very much is so. It's also equated to losing a loved one um, in death. Because you're not going to have that person, whether it's for a long time or a short time. You're losing something you were connected to. You're losing a catalyst. You're losing a friend. You're losing an anchor. You're losing something. And if your brain is usually or used to operating on the connection of that person or said thing, and now you have to function with after, without it, you're talking about something immediately after. I know some of y'all who can't function off of no coffee. I know some of y'all who can't function off of not having a certain pencil or a pen or your lucky shoes or a certain book bag. So you telling me that you just expect me to do all this stuff, hi Vea, hi Sade, to do all these things after someone just ripped my heart out of my chest? No, ma'am. It don't work like that. I'm not doing it. So... Be kind to yourself when you're having that day and you're just like, oh my God, I'm just crying up here. Or, oh my God, I'm just like not in the mood, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Ask yourself, what can you do about it? What do you need? Don't avoid it. Don't try to force yourself to be like, yeah, I'm great. If you're not great, you're not great. And that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. The next thing they said is intrusive thoughts, and I bolded this because this was something I was struggling with for a very long time, um, and I would cry randomly, like, at random points in the day. There was a time where I spent my whole 30-minute lunch on the toilet just crying. I think I was also taking a shit, but I'm pretty sure I was mostly crying. Um, but it says, our brain will generate intrusive thoughts of our ex that invade our thoughts without warning. It may be a mental image of the partner, a snippet of a conversation, a memory, or some other reminder. Every time such a thought appears, it interrupts us, reopens our wound, reactivates our emotional pain, and triggers our withdrawal symptoms. So, think about that. The withdrawal symptoms are being reactivated. You can think that you did so much work to be progressive and move forward and yada, 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 and a random thought can pop into your head and restart that entire withdrawal process. Once again, you'll feel like you did something wrong. You'll feel like you need to go back. You feel like you need to um, reanalyze, and that has happened to me several times. Just this past week, 
I randomly thought about when my ex-girlfriend sent me the video of her at my graduation because it was COVID and we couldn't all be in the same, uh, no, wait, no, it wasn't COVID yet. We couldn't be all in the same, uh, whatever, whatever, when I graduated. So she had to go in another room because I didn't have enough tickets. And I remember her just shouting like, that's my girlfriend, that's my baby. And I randomly just came in my head when I was at work and I just started crying. I'm at the register, and I'm like, oh, and I literally, I had a Slim Jim in my hand, and I was like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, I was like, not now, not now, because I didn't want to cry, I didn't, I, why, why is this coming up, why is this, this beautiful moment where someone who I loved was so excited and proud of me for getting my degree is now popping into my head, and then almost immediately after, or, or another, at another point in time, I started thinking about her having sex with the girl. I started thinking about how she probably touches her, kisses her, the things she says to her, or the music that she plays when they have sex. Like, it was so painful to just have that happen. And of course, I don't want to think about this, but my brain does what it wants. My brain will remind me of whatever it wants to remind me of because that's what the chemical imbalance does. Chemicals come in and out. So, they say that understanding the challenges we face when recovering from a heartbreak should make us more self-compassionate and help us avoid needless self-criticism and self-blame. Please, do not whatsoever. Like, if you find yourself blaming yourself, I encourage you to write it down and read it later. Write it down and ask yourself, what are you blaming yourself about? And ask yourself, do you really believe these things that you're blaming yourself about? Or is it just something that you're doing? Um, to make yourself feel better about trying to cope with the loss that you just experienced. The more we limit our ex's appearance in our thoughts, the quicker we will be able to recover. Knowing that our brain is making us think about our ex involuntarily and incessantly can help us limit the time we choose to think or talk about them voluntarily, which is very true. I, hi, hi Sean, I very much, hi Shorty, limit how much I talk about my ex because I don't want to think about her. I don't want it to keep coming up. And honestly, I don't deserve it. So, again. And my final article, um, which I just wanted to understand, um, because uh, they said that not only does a breakup, you know, trigger certain X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever, it also triggers stress. Um, and I used to think about that more than anything because I always just felt like I was so anxious and like everything was just stressful and like nothing could get done and blah, blah. So what this um, article, and I'm pretty sure it was, it, this is a, I forgot what we call them, a study. I forgot what the college term for it is, but, um, and if somebody knows, please tell me and remind me because I genuinely can't remember what it means. I mean, what it's called, an, uh, a what article, something, a cited, I, I know I have to cite it, I'm going to cite all of these too, but anywho, uh, it came from a university website, and it said that in response to stress, the levels of various hormone changes, reactions to stress are associated with enhanced secretion of a number of hormones, including glucocorticoids, <laughs> cataclamines, growth hormone and prolactin 
the effect of which is to increase mobilization of energy sources and adapt to the individual to its new circumstance. Activation of the pituitary adrenal axis is a prominent neuroendocrine response to stress promoting survival. Stimulation of the pituitary adrenal axis is associated with release of catecholamines. <laughs> I'm totally butchering this. This leads to the increased cardiac output, skeletal muscle blood flow, sodium retention. And I just looked up what the pituitary adrenal axis is because I didn't know what that was. Um, and it says it's an intricate neuroendocrine mechanism that mediates the effects of stressors by regulating numerous physiological processes, such as metabolism, immune responses, and the autonomic nervous system. Describes the interaction between the hypothalamus pituitary gland and adrenal glands. The hypothalamus and pituitary gland are, are located above the brain stem, while the adrenal glands are found on top of the kidneys. So just thinking about when I'm going through a heartbreak and I'm stressed and all this and it activates my flight or flight response, other parts of my brain and my body are now having to do extra work to um, keep my blood flowing, all that other stuff. And just thinking about how um, they also said like when you have a breakup or a serious breakup, it can also mimic the um, implications of a heart attack. So just thinking about how my pituitary adrenal access and all of this stuff is now having to be like, okay, heart, don't be too fast because that is a flight or flight moment. It's like, what do I do? Like, how do I make myself okay? Like, I need to do something to survive this moment because if I don't do something to survive this moment, I feel like I'm going to die. And that may not necessarily be the case. However, it feels that way. So, <clears throat> so anywho, um, yes, so just thinking about how all of these things are, so sorry, all of these things are connected, all of these things are very real, so I hope that in that you learn that like you're not a crazy person and the reason why you want to fight your ex or your ex's new girlfriend or they mama, hi Diane, no, it's simply because you are going through a chemical imbalance and a chemical withdrawal. You are going through something that you did not ask for. And even if you do feel like you did ask for it, you did initiate the breakup, you didn't ask to be hurt. You didn't ask to long for someone that you knew either wasn't good for you or wasn't doing enough for you. You didn't ask for someone not to show or be supportive of you. Um, you just asked for freedom. You asked for comfort. You asked for space. You asked for what you needed. Um, and you didn't get that. And if you are the person that was broken up with, Again, you're not crazy. You wanted to be a part of something that no longer wanted you or no longer needed you. And no one likes to feel like a stepping stone. No one likes to swallow that pill because no matter how someone slices it, it's not going to make you feel good. 
Um, however, the truth is the truth, and whenever you're ready to digest it is when you will. So that is okay. Um, so yeah, I hope that was informative. I hope that you all understood that part. I hope that you really got something from that. I hope the science behind it plus my anecdotes were helpful. My goal is to do that consistently is to have the science and have the anecdotes. I want you to understand what's going on with your body, your mind, the social stuff, whatever, and also understand like that your story fits period because some people sometimes don't even believe their own truths unless they can see it in other places so if you're a person that struggles with allowing yourself Hakeem to believe that what you're saying is real or true then look up the science look up other people's testimonies look up tvs movies whatever hi Emmanuel there's information out there that will help you validate your feelings and we're not just trying to validate nonsense or stuff you want to be true we are trying to validate things that are real and intentional for you. So do that and do it often as much as you can. Um, so we're going to close out today's episode with talking about Hours and Hours by Muni Long. Um, and originally I wanted to like go through this myself and like put my anecdotes in it. However, I am going to just play the song for y'all. And I'm going to try to do stanzas by stanzas and talk about how I felt about it. Um, but it's, it's such a good song. It's such a sexy song. It's a song that makes you feel good. Um, it, it's just so, I don't even know. Like, the lady did her thing on that, okay? She really was out here just letting us know, like, baby, I got you. Like, no matter what it is you got going on, I got you. And I was just like, <laughs> this girl's so fine. Like, you know, but she is fine. She got a big old head, but she cute. Um, But I'm going to play the song for y'all. She has so much power in her voice as well. So I genuinely enjoy her voice. It's okay, Miss April. Thank you for coming in. My mom was here earlier. And I need to tune into y'all podcast as well. Thank you for that. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming. Hi, Amber. Hi, Amor. 
Period. Um, so that was Hours and Hours by Muni Long. Love that song. Off rip, just because of her vocal, like, control and range. Like, oh my god, I have longed to be able to do riffs the way she has riffed. Like, oh my god. So beautiful, the ease, like, tone. Oh gosh, she's great. Great! Um... But let's go stanza by stanza, shall we? So the first stanza is yours, mine, ours. I could do this for hours. Sit and talk to you for hours. I want to give you your flowers and some champagne showers. Order shrimp and lobster towers. But it's me that gets devoured. Um, love that for her. Um, for me, that first stanza really is just about acknowledging this person um we are talking about muni long's hours and hours song right now um right um so that first stanza is so powerful um for me it's really like it's like the ode to this person that she loves you're calling out it's like calling out someone's name without calling out their name you are declaring your love and um and desire for this person the reason why you want to be around them makes you feel like luxury it makes you feel right had me at devoured yes it just makes you feel like you're on top of the world like what she's describing are what we would call luxurious things lobster towers shrimp champagne showers giving you flowers like even just being able to have the luxury of doing anything for hours at a time without any care in the world so the, the that you invoke this desire of beauty and luxury and ease within me is such a wonderful thing. And then to say like, yeah, we're dealing with all this, but at the end of the day, what I really want is you to connect with me. 
whether that's sexually or romantically, but what I'm asking, like, you know, she does, but I get devoured. Like, yeah, we do all these things, but what the real pleasure comes from is being with you. And I think that's amazing. Um, and she says, what you do, when you do what you do, I'm empowered. You give me a superpower. Together, the world could be ours. You know, and then it's not a selfish thing. Hi, T, ta, ta, excuse me. Hi, Lele. It's not a selfish thing. She's saying, even though I can super enjoy and be within your company and your space, I still want to do all these things with you. I want it to be me and you. Like, I want, I want you to know that, you know, what you do for me also encourages me. It lifts me up. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with sex and why my connection with my ex saddened me so much when she decided to sleep with someone else um, in the ways that she did was just, I did feel empowered when we had sex. I did feel like I was on top of the world and that like I was just this like great being, not because of her having an orgasm or anything of that nature, but because I felt seen like excuse me, like, I could remember times after, right, real intimacy is what she's describing, yes, like, I could remember times after having sex with my partner, and us just, like, staring at each other, or if she needed to cry, like, she could just cry, and I would hold her, um, or if, you know, I was just in a sensitory overload and I couldn't be touched or spoken to simply because that's how powerful it was. Um, yeah. And so feeling seen in that way, um, that was big for me. Like, you know, and like I said, just really even like I said, just the having someone look at you and just know that like that Thing that you just had that you just experienced was just as real for them as it was for you so that was really powerful um then she says you sit me up on the counter instantly you spend your shower storming for a couple hours when we finish we take a shower i could do this for hours and hours and hours i could do this for hours hours and hours and so on and so forth she says it four times um yeah also, the ease of just being able to have an orgasm or get wet or anything, it's difficult for some people, and it's even more difficult when you're with a person who you don't really vibe with and you don't really like. Like I said about one of the people that I slept with after my ex-girlfriend, it was, ugh, like, it was whatever for me. It wasn't eventful. It wasn't comforting. It wasn't, it wasn't anything for me. It was pretty dull. It was pretty lackluster. And it kind of just made me feel like eh, afterwards, which just really sucked and um, was frustrating because I'm coming from having one relationship with sex where I'm super connected and feel great and on top of the world. And I'm coming into a different place where I'm essentially disconnected and just there. Um, and I don't want that for myself. Um. So, when she says, I usually don't, I, oh, excuse me, she says, usually I don't like nobody, when I say nobody, I mean nobody, all these niggas full of shit, you just a homie once they hit, felt like giving up on love, these niggas almost made me quit, um, facts, <laughs> um, that's all I could really say about that part, 
is, I mean, I think that first part is kind of where I am right now. I think that's for me is kind of where the disconnect is when it comes to this song is like, I'm still in that stanza. I'm still in the stanza where I'm kind of like, I don't really like anyone. And I mean, no one, like, I don't want anyone close to me. I think everybody's a liar. I think everybody is just going to hurt me. Um, And I know that at least with guys, like once I have sex with them, um, or if they want to have sex with me, like, none of them are taking me seriously, and I'm not taking any of them seriously, however, um, it's frustrating to feel like I can just expect men to not take me seriously, and that I have to be okay with that, simply because I think they're idiots, um, but that's also frustrating, because I don't want to devalue another human being, however, it feels like at this point, it comes hand in hand, because I don't feel valued by them, so why should I give out what I'm not getting, um, and so I kind of just let men go over my head, because I'm just like, it's whatever, like, I'm not even dealing with you, so if I do choose to engage with a man, it's usually in the mindset that, like, I'm here for what I need, or what I want, but also that can't also be 100% true because if I already believe that I'm not going to get what I want, then I really am not. So therefore, I'm kind of just acting with no real um, means of satisfaction behind it. So really, it'll be completely pointless. <laughs> yeah, the vetting process is definitely difficult and it's very necessary. And I'm learning to allow myself to know that like, it may be annoying and tedious, and it's very much important. Hi, Lex. You need to be able to sift out the ones that just are not going to do it for you, the ones that are not going to give you what it is that you need, and that's okay. Um, she says, then I met you. When I met you, I knew that was it. I've never been in love like this, a love like ours. I prayed for it on my knees every night for some hours and hours and hours and hours. Um mm-hmm show me for first time um yeah so this is just her revelation of being like I really have been sitting with this hurt and this pain and this discomfort and irritation of just being like I have this thing that I really want and I can experience she's like but then you came along and I got to experience that um and I think for me the struggle though here the disconnect is is that safe? Is that okay? Is it okay for us to not have this thing that we really want or experience this chemical uplift? Um, but the issue is we don't want to see what we see trying to get. Yes. Yes. And which we talked about earlier today too about being alone, which goes back to what I was saying just now is like, is this safe for us to have this feeling with another person and feel like it only happens with this person however can we also hold the belief that sometimes you just need other people in order to feel certain things because it only is driven by connection um because personally I would love to feel this way in this song about my little rose boy my little rose toy because <laughs> um I could have sex with myself for hours if I decided to and I wouldn't have to deal with nobody and they bullshit. 
I wouldn't have to ask no questions. I wouldn't have to vet nobody. I wouldn't have to say, like, you finna leave me? At most, you might die out on me while I'm right at my peak, and that might be fucked up, and you and I might not be friends for about two hours. But after that, we gonna be all good, because you gonna be charged up. But other than that, like, what can, a rose can't, the, the rosebud can't disappoint me. I don't have to ask them no questions. I don't gotta feed it. I don't gotta talk to it. Nothing. So, I, 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 I guess for me, in the place that I am, right, exactly, right, die at the climate. How dare you? <laughs> um, <laughs> but for me, it's about safety, and, and that's that's for me. That's what that this part of the song um, invokes in me is like: Is it safe for me to love someone in that way? Um, I very much get emotional about that just because I'm scared. Uh, I'm very much scared to allow anybody close to me in that way again. Um, so much so that's why I think I do feel so comfortable. Like I'm so happy being happy um, right now. And maybe again, it's just a time thing. Like I just started feeling happy by myself. So of course I'm not in any position to want to jump back in a relationship with another person because I want to solidify my individual happiness first. Um, I don't know who that is, but you could type first before I let you speak. Because if you in here talking crazy, the answer is no. Um, but yeah, I um, I just feel very afraid, um, and I long to be in a position where I'm not afraid to explore and be loving because I love who I am especially when I'm in love, um, I know that I'm very, um, giving and attentive, and I'm there, um, to love somebody, honestly, is very much an honor for me, um, it's something that I take very seriously, so, and it's something that I love to do, like, that's why I love all my friends, I love all my family, um, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to love a person and to share that with them, so, I would long to be in a place where I'm not afraid of what I think is one of my superpowers, which is being a loving human being. So to get to a place where I can also feel like, you know, I met this person who invoked this beautiful thing. Like I want to be able to see those lines or hear those lines in a song and not feel like, oh my God, that's so scary. Like, why would she ever, like, why would she admit that? Like, that's low-key how I feel. Like, in this song, it's like, oh my God, why would you admit to a man or whoever you love that you love them and that when they met you, they changed your life? Like, don't do that. Like, that's a bad idea. Um, Because, again, I'm living in a small space in my life where I have fear of loving and that's heartbreaking for me just in itself and it's something that I'm actively having to work on hi Mo um so yes uh <clears throat> when then she said where is it oh I can do this for hours and hours and hours what's yours is mine and ours and yours mine and ours I could sit and talk to you for hours sit and look at you for hours making love to you for hours Laying on chest for hours, telling joke you jokes for hours, hold you close to me for hours, hours and hours, hours and hours. Um, and that last thing, that last stanza for me, I'm good. How are you? That last stanza for me really just shows me again 
someone who's found peace. Now, whether that's solely in this other person or overall for her, I don't know. Um, however, what she's talking about essentially is finding peace and comfort. And in a romanticized and beautiful way, like just her saying, like, I could you for hours. I could look at you for hours, make love to you for hours, laying on your chest for hours. And again, because I only have those experiences with my ex, it does come up for me. Um, but also I can remember the beauty in being able to just look at her and feel whole, being able to have make love to her and feeling whole laying with her and feeling safe and protected telling her jokes that were probably not even funny but you know and her making faces but me cracking myself up um and just having her close to me um I think that's something that I definitely do and will miss um, simply just having that space with somebody, um, because romantic love is just very different than any familial or platonic kind of love with friends, like the way holding someone, I was never a touchy person, um, and I'm pretty sure it has a lot to do with some things that have happened in my childhood, but I didn't really like people touching me, especially without warning, so when I finally was able to get comfortable with, like, touch with her. It was a big deal for me. Um, and so being able to, like, again, being someone who has for a long time not felt safe in their own body um, or in their body around other people or in relation to other people, to have someone that you were comfortable with enough to allow to touch you or caress you or to make love to you or to even just have you in their physical space for long periods of time was really big for me um yeah and starting over with that could feel overwhelming because again it's having to now relearn all of the things that I kind of already learned with one person with another person um, and that means having the arguments and the mistakes and being like, oh, I didn't like that or this or whatever and learning and being like, okay, and, you know, hoping and believing that they'll respect your boundary, um, being able to, you know, <clears throat> uh, again, allow yourself to feel safe again in the arms, Hammer Scorpio, if feeling safe again in the arms of another person who you may not have, um, you know, oh, thank you, um, you may not have, uh, you know, known, uh, of before or whatever, so, um, yeah, um, I think ultimately that was just therapeutic for me because, you know, again, I said I avoided music for a very long time, and I think, this song definitely like don't get me wrong outside of my ex this song makes me feel sexy i feel real good i be feeling like oh yeah i'm gonna put something on you that you ain't never had before um and 
when I'm not in that set or mode, um, I definitely do feel like, damn, like, I want to know, I want to, I, I wonder what it really feels like to feel how she's singing. I want to know what it feels like to feel safe, um, because I'm not very sure if I have a lot of spaces where I've actually just felt safe, um, with anyone, whether that be family or friends. I think there's always a small hint of fear for me, no matter who I'm with, um, because I think I just expect people to be careless with me because I've experienced so much carelessness from other people. So for me, this song ultimately, this song ultimately is me. Oh yeah, I'm okay. I'm I'm, I'm podcasting right now. I'm just in an emotional part of the episode. Um, but I think more than anything, this song for me expresses, like I said, peace and freedom. The ability to freely be emotional, freely be emotive, freely be loving, freely be at comfort and peace is something that I long to have and something that I desire. Um, <clears throat> so my hope is that, you know, as I continue my healing journey, as I continue talking about these themes and doing the podcast and yada, 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 that I will eventually get to a place where, um, yes, freeness, that I will eventually get to a place where I don't feel bound to anything um, in a demeaning or uh, expected way that I can love someone and walk out the door and know that like they will do what it is that I ask in the ways that I need because they respect my boundaries and what I ask for and vice versa. Um, and like I said, I, I, I can't 100% connect to that idea or feeling right now because really I'm just focused on making me happy. I genuinely can't think about adding anybody else to that at the moment and that's okay. Um, I hope that one day I do get to a point again where I fully desire that or true or can desire that as I'm desiring my own uh, love and affection for myself. Um, so I hope that one day I get to a point where I'm comfortable with that and I do that freely and openly and lovingly. Um, and however, you know, until then, I'm going to do that for myself. I'm going to be loving and you know, whatever, whatever, all on myself, yeah, self-preservation, yes, very much, so I am in hibernation right now, um, I just don't have the capacity, and that's okay, um, I think I'm learning to accept that, you know, a major part of my life is still being worked on, and that's okay, so, I thank Minnie Long for her song. It's wonderful. I'm still going to play it all the time. Um, I'm not going to not play it because it's a bomb-ass song. Um, and I'm going to still keep doing my healing. And going to still keep doing my processes. Um, so, yeah. I got it right at two hours. So, thank you all. Um... <laughs> If you all have any questions, 
comments or concerns per usual, you may hit me down in inbox or I have our Instagram or whatever. You're welcome to Habri. Um, yes, we can learn together, Red. Um, so yeah, whatever you guys have to say or have any questions, um, I will have this uploaded by tomorrow because I never edit these, honestly. It's two hours worth of content, which really means it's probably going to be about six hours worth of editing. I'm not into it. I don't care for it. So I'm not going to hold you. I'm not doing it. Um, so I am going to upload this tonight if not tonight tomorrow because i'm trying to go to the gym tonight because it's only 9 30 even though i feel like it's like 12 a.m um but yeah so um i thank you so much for being here with me i hope that you enjoyed the educational aspect of this i hope you enjoyed the anecdotes i hope you enjoyed the music next week we're gonna talk about sex after um a breakup but also just sex in general um i wanted to do this episode and i did somewhat but i didn't get to do it in the way that i wanted to so next week we're going to talk about sex and i think i want to talk about sex in the queer community specifically because i am a queer person of color and a lot of the articles i found today were geared towards heterosexual relationships and that's all fine and dandy but i'm not straight so anyway um thank you miss april so I will be here next week. What's today? Tuesday? I usually try to do this on Sunday. So hopefully Sunday I get to do this again. If not Sunday, it'll be on Monday because that's the other day that I have off. So, um, yes, upload tomorrow. Next, next live podcast on Monday or Sunday. And, yeah, I'm going to close this out with another song that I really like a throwback if you will um and I hope you guys all enjoy your evening let's go Let me tell you, girl. Why is my internet playing like I won't fight it? You see, this is the ghetto shit I be talking about. Here I go. All right, this is getting too ghetto for my pleasure. All right, well, Spotify doesn't want to. Take the stresses off yourself. Oh.
just jam. Yeah, Red, get into it. song but nobody needs to be here for an extra four minutes um thank you all for coming again i appreciate you and we will see you on hopefully sunday or monday if you stay for the full two hours you are the best um and i hope to see you soon so have a good night thank you shao thank you april thank you to the four guests whose name i cannot see um but y'all for real for real my friends out here so thank y'all i love you so much and we will see you next week all right